Hey everybody, welcome back. This is part two of the SCAD Fash Cast uh, Q&A panel with Ann Crabtree and members of the Handmaid's Tale cast answering questions at the SCAD Fash uh, screening of episode three of season two. This was back in April. I wanted to bring this to you. It's some great information, some great uh, content. You guys will really enjoy this. Lots of information about the show, the characters. You're really going to like it. So check it out and remember the SCAD Fash exhibit, Dressing for Dystopia, which features Anne Crabtree's costumes from The Handmaid's Tale, is open to the public through August 12th. You can get more information at their website, scadfash.org. Once again, that's scadfash.org. Enjoy. I've been seeing some changing changes this season in the way that men dress as a result of the storyline. Um, I'm wondering what it feels like to wear clothing designed by a woman who's designed it from a male point of view as a man. <laughs> or how do you feel as the, 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 the subjective as well? I want to hear this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, a woman designing for a man from a Male point of view. Male point of view. I think I got the question. Uh, uh, we've all been talking to various groups today about about the experience of working with Anne on costumes, and uh, my recollection of going in the very first time to see the the board, the the, the wall, the, which it's funny. I, I I have a memory of it being. 20 feet high and 50 feet long. Like, that's, that was the impact it had on me. I don't know if it was actually that size, but it was the, it was the, each one, part of it is in the exhibition, were these collection, collections of photographs, fabric swatches, leaves, um, pictures pulled from everywhere, overlapping, um, Images of Cary Grant. I'll never forget the image of Cary Grant, which was so wonderful. Um, and knowing that the references that were being drawn together for the characters were important in the way that the character was seen, the way the character felt, the way the character related to others, the weight that the character needed to have, the posture, the, the fact that the collar on the shirt, and don't think I didn't notice, the collar on the shirt was slightly higher than a normal collar. So it did, it, it, those, those details, the button fly, right? Button fly for the commanders, easy access. Okay, so ceremony breaks out. suits, which was this sort of 
slightly ridged fabric with this, that you could feel the texture when you ran your fingers across it. But you would never notice that, you may never notice this unless you have a, you know, HD 5 or whatever the hell they're called now, where it's going to pick up those kind of details. But, but as, back to your question, and inhabiting the, inhabiting the suit, there was a kind of sensitivity to who these people were, a sensitivity to who the actor was, and, and especially a sensitivity to the energy that needed to be uh, brought to the character and to the scene work. Um, and it was really powerful, really powerful. We've all talked at various points today about the fact, and, and I'm telling you, I've worked in TV for a really long time. You can tell by the color of my hands here. Um, I've been at this for a really long time. I've done a lot of TV shows. And every morning, Anne came to the trailer and checked on how you would put yourself together and made tiny adjustments or asked for adjustments to be made or hiked up the suspenders another half an inch. Suspenders that no one else was going to see, but you felt it, and they needed to be—they needed to be a little—they needed to pull those pants up just a little bit higher. And all of those things are are incredibly helpful to actors. Can I piggyback on that just for one second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, so all of the handmaids wear their boots and the spats, <laughs> and the spats like come up to here and. Um, <laughs> And so legit that she, all of those spats have, I have, there must be 15 hook and eyes on the back of them. And no zippers, nothing easy. Never. And I, in the first season, I was eight, nine months pregnant. My character was, I was not. Um, and in the second season, we filmed a lot uh, outside for my character specifically. So I was covered in like 85 layers and trying to like bend over. And like do all twenty of those freaking hook and eyes every time. I was like, "Damn you, Anne Crabtree! I appreciate you and your artistry, but I am. This is annoying." But it, yeah. And it wasn't sorry. It was annoying because I was going to say even you just reminded me of the shoes for the commanders, for example. They weren't all the same. They weren't. The, the, the commanders didn't have the same jackets on or the same shoes. So there was this wonderful individuality. It wasn't like putting on an army uniform. It was like it was putting on something that was that had the had the feeling of a uniform without being one. And so so there was this individual sort of sort of experience inside of that. You know, um, <laughs> she's just I'm serious. I, forgive me. I need another round of applause for this woman. I mean, that's great. I mean, I mean it. All of us have done so much other stuff, and we'll tell you that this experience is unlike any other. It really has been unlike any other. And I want to leave some time for the audience to ask some questions as well, so I'm going to throw one more to ever Sydney and Nina to ask you what is it like as women participating in the show in an era of Trump, Me Too, <laughs> everything else that's going on in the world? What's it like? Awesome. <laughs> I mean, 
as an actor, it's always sort of your dream to to get an amazing show or get a show that people want to watch and then get a show. The award stuff is like the cherry on top, but really the, the reason I became an actress was to um, take an emotional journey with somebody else and to have this art have an impact and really so much through Anne's wardrobe inspire so many people to, in the movement that we have now, just the resistance, really, to, to don the wardrobes that she's made and to put Lizzie's face up on a, on a sign and a rally that says Mike Pence is ideal woman and everybody knows what that means just by looking at Lizzie in the wings. I don't know. I just, I pinch myself every day and I don't want to take up all the no, time. No, I think it is true what you're saying. Like, to see those costumes being worn all over the world as a, as a sign of protest and, and what's so powerful to me is that because of the wardrobe, so many of the, the protests have been silent, and I find silent protests to be the most powerful, but how incredibly powerful it is to see them wearing what you made, and it's so special. It's so special. I, I feel special. I don't know. It must, I don't know what I was feeling to have made them, but it is. It's incredibly special. There was a day... Um, on set where we were all there and it was the same week that Me Too had become, had just taken stride and it, and I was feeling so awful that whole week. I had so much anxiety. It brought up so many awful memories for myself and I was, I was in a really dark place and we were all on set and we kind of just started talking about it and this like crazy thing happened. You were there, and we all were in this big circle, and we just started talking so in-depth of it, and I don't know, it felt so safe. I was just like, this is, this is so incredible to be able to come to your job and, you know, listen to each other and have these conversations and be a part of something bigger. It was really special. Me too, sister. <laughs> I learned a lot about women empowerment because of all the amazing cast and crew that we have and just the costumes. My character's new, so I can't really say much about her. But there is one that's in the fashion exhibit, and we talked a lot about being fertile, and my character is fertile, so you'll see a part of my costumes, it looks like a fertile egg. And it's, it's weird, it gets deep, it's, it's crazy. Well, that's going to give us plenty of reasons to keep watching, but I'd love to get some um, questions from the audience as well, because it's, uh, it's about you too. Right over here to your left. I want to hear about the uh, Hannibal Lecter masks. The masks. So, the oh, sorry. <laughs> and I love Anthony Hopkins, clearly. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought of something else. So those are, uh, they were linen and leather, uh, and also leather, season one. And we used the linen and leathers, my darling Courtney Mitchell, who's here somewhere. There she is. Uh, reminded me that that was season one. And then we did leather, 
I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but for the first episode of season two. And really it's cool because often when you have no time as a costume designer, you just say, oh, stupid, just, just let props handle that, right? But my ego's too huge and I'm a control freak. And I thought, I, they call me the Gilead police, which is embarrassing, but it is true. I don't want that title. But it's so important, right, to get all the details right. And so I thought what they would do as people who eat organically, bought, I'm a vegetarian and I'm obviously from Kentucky and I have driven past many a slaughterhouse. And it's cool. He loved me. I loved me growing up. I still love the smell of barbecue. But there's something about the leather of it all and the hide of it all. And I thought, well, if they're eating organically, they're going to keep those hides because where would they get materials, right, to silence people? And so leather felt like the most maybe perhaps medieval thing on camera that could age beautifully in time and that honestly was just an easy answer for recycling this <laughs> the silencing of people. So yeah, the Hannibal Lecter of it all. Like I knew that it I didn't want it to look like a torture device immediately. I think that it has turned into that for many people who asked the question, but it really was a means of, a, again, industrial design, right? Design for the masses. And, um, and I think because it was so frightening on Alexis Bledel, I mean, she won an Emmy for speaking no lines, using, and not just because of the mask, but the mask was an accessory to that. And so I think that the show's creators said, oh my God, let's make it even more scary for um, the first episode of season two. That's my agent asking the question, which is hilarious. <laughs> and awesome that you don't know. <laughs> That's Dana. We have a question here. Um, hi. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask both you as a designer and you guys as actors. This show is very emotionally draining. I know a lot of uh, people in my class couldn't watch more than like two episodes. It's kind of a hard show to binge because it's emotionally draining. It's very dramatic. It's very sad. How do you um, exit that headspace? Kind of how do you keep yourself emotionally fit to keep doing this over and over and over again? Well, you know what? It is draining for us. We were backstage biting our nails, literally. And I think that's what's interesting about this show. We can be in it every day and find it quite really difficult to, to escape. And so I can only tell you that my method, it only works for me, but I, I tend to go on solo trips cross country where I can just, anywhere where I can just think and not speak. You know, I mean, I've been doing that for years, certainly on The Handmaid's Tale. Um, we finished up season one and I think we all felt, if there's a, if there's a way to visualize that, sort of preg pregnant with anxiety, right? You can't get rid of it, it just keeps growing bigger. And I started to feel like I was going to burst, really, sincerely. And I felt really strange coming back to the States. And so the only thing I could think of, because I was so petrified, actually, because of the show and because of real life, I didn't really know what was going to happen and what had changed, right? The Gilead that may have happened when I was away. And so I told my sweetheart, he's right there, Roy, that it was really essential for me to get alone real quick. And I just booked a train trip uh, up the side of the coast from Los Angeles downtown to Seattle. And it was just extreme deep nature. 
but it was on a, it's, it's kind of a, a handmade story of a train travel because it was a really old, beautiful train with a sleeping car and a beautiful man who was a, you know, I forgot the term, but uh, he would come and check your ticket and then bring you dinner. And he was a writer, and he was a crime writer. And I kind of just spent days only talking to him or just being silent. And something about that, that power of moving and not speaking and making myself sit and just look at nature and not violence. What was interesting, of course, all that happened to come back season two, and it's the migrant workers that I saw across California. That's in the colonies, too. So I guess I never quite left it. Next. <laughs> I use music to get me in, to get me into Rita. I have a playlist, and half of it's classical, and half of it's gangster rap for Rita. <laughs> but I, I get, uh, but at the end of every day, um, a lot of days aren't really, they seem heavy, but a lot of days are kind of cool. On Honestly, set. the most fraught days are, like, the most fun. Yeah, yeah. And so we're always walking. To get myself out on the on the car ride home, I I usually like the driver. We we know we speak sometimes, but on my way home, it's always a ritual. I put my headphones on, and music gets me back into like ground zero, into like into a good headspace. So music is a huge huge help for all of us. But music music is my way in, and most definitely out. I I drink wine. <laughs> I think we're always, it's also just different because when you're, when you're, even when I watch them, it's like, oh my God, it's so dark. But at the time, I'm like laughing, being stupid, making a joke, shooting a serious scene, and then like, you know, laughing again. So there were, there are times that are really, at least in the first episode of the second season when we shot those, those were dark days. But a lot of other scenes, like at the time, they aren't that dark because in between we're talking and I, I think I it has to be like I have to be with other people and that always takes me out of any sort of emotional distress that I'm in just to be able to, to be with everyone. A lot of us are pretty dark people too in the cast. Like less of, a lot of a lot of us have in common. We're not we're funny. I'm not saying like yeah the jokes are dark. Yeah like, but they're not as as people we're not like light and frothy girls. So I mean I like it's kind of our comfort zone. Yeah. I find it's harder to watch it than I do to yeah. be there. Yeah. Like the experience of watching the finished pro product for me episode two like even just saying it out loud makes me well up every t like it destroyed me it destroyed me i find it really great deal of health and the fact that janine is so strange <laughs> so like i look at her lines and then i and i say them and i'm like oh jay you freak <laughs> so it's like i'm all day because to stay there all day is just like I'm literally losing my mind. Um, but she's more lucid this season. It's fun. It's great. I've seen you. Maddie had to catch a flight one day and she was wrapped and like literally I watched you peel the eye off and then you like went on Instagram and you're like, oh my God, it's like, oh like, like she completely changed people. It literally changed my skin off. Yeah. That's how I get out. It was amazing. <laughs>
Also, sorry, side note, because it's my favorite thing to share. As soon as I take that eye off, I am cross-eyed for like at least five and a half minutes. <laughs> Just like I can't look at anybody right in the face. I was going to say that the, that the, the getting, the coming down, the, the, in general, I, I would say that actors probably, you go to the makeup trailer at the end of the day and you take makeup off and they give you a nice hot towel and you walk out and you say goodnight, get in your car and go home. With this one, I think it was much harder, but I think that really speaks to the sort of the depth of the realization of the show. I think the experience of being on it, there's this, I always felt anyway, certainly in the scenes with the commanders, there was this prevailing sense of paranoia that pervaded the set. Like, you had to be careful who you were talking to and what you said and how you said it. And it was it was that that vibe just, just sort of, it just crept into everything, everything. It was, um, it, and still, walking through the exhibition, crossing through that threshold, and that music starts playing, it's like a, a, a baby. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really, but I do, there was a story that one of the production designers told at an event, and I, 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 I wanted to share this, because I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but there was a moment where they were talking about the lamps in uh, Offred's room, and how the extension cords needed to be a certain length. And the reason they needed to be short was that so that she wouldn't hang herself. And the thing that was, it was so, it was such a, I mean, a detail that no one would ever see or know, or, but, but there it was, this, this reminder for the actor that, right, right, that's, that's why that's there. And, that just speaks to the efforts of Anne, the production team, Colin, the DP, and, and the whole tribe of creators. I mean, it's it's just a very special project. Can I just really, really quickly, quickly segue, and I'm so sorry, but we have to yeah. do this. You guys have to know that Courtney Mitchell, who's my left and right hand, and who actually was responsible for getting all, everything you see at the exhibition here, She's 24. She's the next president, so you should meet her now. <laughs> Courtney, I want you to stand up. And also, she's a costume designer in her own right. And Sam Whiten, who is our beautiful tailor for all things Lizzie Moss, you should stand up. Go ahead, sister. I think that's probably all the time we have for tonight. Um, no, but seriously, I want to thank you all for coming, and uh, I'd like to hear another round of applause for this amazing. listen to the podcast everybody please stay subscribed as we will be bringing you more fantastic content while the show is on hiatus we do not take a break we will keep talking about the handmaid's tale and keep bringing you all kinds of other coverage of shows that you might like movies you might like we're going to read the book i think all kinds of good stuff coming up you never know what we're going to do so stay with us uh follow us on social media at at handmade podcast on twitter instagram and facebook that's at handmade podcast 
Uh, if you are an Apple listener and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please go rate and review us. That helps us uh, get the word out to everyone to let us know that you enjoyed the podcast. Otherwise, please go download and uh, listen to Slacker Radio, and you can listen to our radio station, Handmaid's Resistance Radio. That is free on the Slacker app or at slacker.com. Once again, that's Handmaid's Resistance Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.